I like to do that, right? I like to get that blood pressure raised. And I know he's a healthy man, so I can do that. But uh, he did look at me a little funny when I said, what, you're not speaking tonight? But he knew I have a jacket on, right? It is good to be here. And, um, you know, you always contemplate, and I've said this before because I don't have the, I don't know if it's a luxury, but if you, if you go through systematically through a book, right, we're going through Ephesians, expository type of preaching, you really have to follow the text. You have to follow the authorial intent, the original authorial intent. And that comes with, with nuggets and segments that, that flow together nicely. Um, and so I guess I have the luxury of coming and, and uh, bringing something. It's certainly expository, but it's based more on a topic, I guess you could say, that um, I, I kind of like to, to go and, and hit the heart of things. I try to really get to the heart of our hearts, I guess you could say. And all of Scripture is that way, isn't it? All of Scripture is relevant. It has practical application. If it isn't, then all you're listening to is a history lesson. And that only goes so far, right? So, so when you read, when you, when you listen, and make sure you're trying to apply it in your life, because that's certainly what God wants. He's actually speaking through whatever the spe- whoever the speaker is so that he can ta- you can take his words and live them out in your life. Uh, so I've actually entitled this The Dash. And a number of things have happened. I began to contemplate in areas of my life. And uh, who here, who here has ever lost a loved one? Raise your hand. All right, yeah, the vast majority of us have. And so you are probably familiar with death. And, and you know, the death is a part of living. Ultimately, death is a part of living. And it's, it's something that, unless the Lord tarries, it will affect each and every one of us in this room. And so I've entitled this The Dash, and I begin to think about, um, about this right here. I usually don't do a lot of props. But this right here is, uh, is very important. It's important for ourselves. It's important for humanity. I mean, you can take this pen. You could call it, you know, the mighty pen because with a pen, we have some of the greatest literary works that's ever been bestowed upon this earth. With this pen, you take it and give it to someone. Make sure it gets into the right hands of somebody that's gifted, somebody that's talented. I could give this pen to Hannah, my daughter, and, and she, she could take that, and she, her gift is portraits. And she could take this pen and she could, she could craft a portrait. And you would say, oh, you, you did, I can't believe you did that. And so the pen is very versatile. It's very important. But it's not so much the literary works uh, that I want to speak about. It's certainly not about the artistic abilities. But it is this aspect that the pen, the pen is used to record information. And, and I hope that you can see that. I mean, without the pen, yeah, we have texting and we have computers. But, you know, before all of that, if you wanted to get your point across, you wanted to leave a note, you wanted to communicate with somebody, and you could not speak, what did you do? You used a pen, or I guess you could say you used a pencil. And so the pen is is really, really important. And ultimately, ultimately, I believe that this pen records or has the ability to record one's uh, final timeline in their life. And I had said when I opened up that I've entitled this The Dash. And we could say that The Dash is that short stroke upon someone's gravestone, someone's 
tombstone. You understand what I mean? It's that short horizontal mark that, that actually is sandwiched in between one's birth date and one's death date. Everybody with me? We understand what the dash is, what this short stroke of the pen, of the pen is. And, and we could go into cemeteries, we could go into graveyards, and we, could, we would see that the dash is plentiful within those, that final resting place. Every, if it has a tombstone, if it has a marker, there is normally two, a, a set of dates. There's a beginning and there's an ending. And in between, of that, between that is that, that dash. And, and dashes, you know, when you go into a graveyard or a cemetery, uh, there are, when you look at all of these dashes, these dashes are so diverse because there are some tombstones where the dash separates dates, not in years, not in months, sometimes in dates. And so you have some tombstones, that everyone, everyone has a dash. And these tombstones record the life of someone that may be a newborn babe, may be a toddler, may be a teen. You have other dashes that separate these dates, and these dates are of longer time spans. These dates are of, uh, these, this dash separates dates that signifies and reflects someone who has lived a long time, someone that's lived a, a full life. And so we understand that as you walk through these cemeteries, I hope you do, that you're going to see this short stroke of this dash. And what we have to understand is, is that this dash contains the entire lives, lives that are filled with dreams, plans, and accomplishments. I, I, you know, my family is not on the same page as I am. I can go into a museum and spend hours and then go through the whole museum and come back and I'm like on the second exhibit, right, hours later. And in the same token, I, I love cemeteries. I love cemeteries. I, you know, it's not just the fact that it's quiet and it's secluded and it's peaceful, but as I go and I peruse down those aisles, those lanes in these cemeteries, I do. I look at these tombstones. I reflect upon the dates. I reflect upon the time era. I'll look and see who they were and, and are they with their family. But I always seem to gravitate to the dash, and I wonder what that dash represented in their life. And I wonder, were they a born-again believer? And, and that... Sometimes, you know, you, sometimes that is just so powerful for me to have that happen. And so you have to understand that that dash signifies their life. That is all that, all that is left of them is that dash when you talk about communicating, uh, you know, that this person lived this amount. You go see them. You go visit. You can, you know, you can uh, pay your respects to them. And all that's left is that dash in the middle of their birth date and their end date. And so really, I began to think about this, and I, I was like, well, what? Some people don't like the dash. I, I know there are people that they, they would never go into a cemetery and walk around. My goodness, that's something they, they just don't want to do, right? And that's okay. But really, what is it about the dash? And I would say that the, the dash more than likely will invoke some type of response in every individual at some point in their life. And, and that response, that reaction, sometimes can play out with dread, can play out with anxiety. You know, it, it just depends on what some people are fascinated by. It. I'm fascinated by the dashes. 
But ultimately, what we have to understand is, is that the dash looks the same for every individual, every tombstone that we see here in a graveyard. Now, why do I bring all this up? Why do I lay the groundwork for the dash? And I would say it's because God has a lot to say about um, the, the mortality of an individual, the mortality of a man and a woman and a child and an adolescent and a teen. Many places in God's Word where He speaks about the time span of a human life. So we're going we're gonna to be in Psalms 39. Psalms 39. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's 13 verses. I'm, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. We're going to kind of stay parked in there. Um, but we're going to pull out, I believe, some things that the Lord would want us to stop and, and, and listen and evaluate our life as we move forward, okay, A after tonight. Psalms 39, we're, we're actually going to start with one. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6. But, but here again, we're going to try to pull out what God is saying about that period in a person's life known as the dash. Okay? Psalms 39, 1 through 5. Let's read it, and then we'll go ahead and open up in prayer. This is a, a psalm by David, and he's speaking, and he said, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing, the fire burned. And then I spake with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of mine days, what it is that I may know how frail that I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity, Selah. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, thank you again just for this short time that we have together, that we can open your word up, that we can extol not only your goodness and grace and greatness, but that we can get in our place within this world and understand that our days are finite, that we are mortal, and that you are a God not only of great grace but of power, and that you are God eternal. Help us, Father, to acknowledge not only this fact, but to be good stewards with the days and the time that you have allotted to us before the end of our days. And we pray it in our Lord's name. Amen. Here's the background right here. Now, I said there are 13 verses. You can certainly read through the rest of that. But if we were to pull something out in verses 1 through 6, we need to find out kind of the context. What's happening here? What's the background? And in verses 1 through 3, we have David, and David is, is bearing his soul, and he is in some type of distress. He is, he is going through some period of intense suffering. And really, he's attempting to understand and make sense of life. And that word vanity is going to pop up. And it talks about, you can see, you can trace in verses 1 through 3, how in this intense moment of suffering, that he resolved not to sin by his words. There was some type of dialogue, there was some type of interaction, 
and he is, he is proclaiming to God that he's sitting there and he is not going to sin by his own words. He's going to keep silent in the presence of his enemies. And, and when you go through verses 1 through 3, you get that sense that he's suppressing his feelings, and by suppressing his feelings, he, it only aggravates his suffering. Now David, in, in verse 4, and we're going to pick up on verse 4, he begins to transition, and he begins to reach deep, deep down. He's going to expose, and I love that about David. I mean, whether it's Psalms 51 and, and you know, what happened after the prophet came and said, you are that man, and he begins to cry out to God, or, or even right here, David is always, always, he reveals his emotions. They're raw, and, and, and he pulls no punches. And, and I, I admire that because, think about it, if you're going to come before the Lord, he already knows what you're saying. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're going to say before you even say it. Well, why is it that we want to keep secrets with him? Why is it that we want to come and just half-heartedly bear our soul to the Lord? And David's not that way. David bears everything before the Lord, and he, he, he gets to that place in verse 4, and, and he's going to request something of the Lord. All right? Read with me verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. David here is, is, is making a request before the Lord, and he's really desiring a greater awareness of his mortality. I mean, think about it. He says here, and the measure of my days, what it is. Help me to understand that. David here is contemplating his dash. He understands that he has a birth date, and he's going to have an end date. And in between that is the measure of his days, and he's asking God to make known this this grand scheme of things, okay? And so he was awakening to his mortality. David was awakening to this, this short horizontal stroke that we've just determined is the dash. He asked God to make known of him the uncertainties of life. And really, he's saying, help me to understand and remember that there is an ending. And that ending uh, will come about even in my own life. And I think this, I think that David understood the tendency to live life, to live life without reflecting upon the future, with never a thought to the future in, our, in, in his own life. I want you to notice the repetition that David is talking about. In verse 4, David says, make known to me, make known to me my life's end. Make known to me the number of my days. Make known to me my frailty. And David's purpose was not to have God shed light on the measure of his days so that he could plan his time out, right? He could plan his life out. David's purpose was to have a greater awareness and acceptance of his own mortality. Sometimes people say that's kind of morbid. I don't want to think about that, right? But listen, unless the Lord tarries, we are all going to have a, a dash uh, bestowed upon our tombstones. And, and I would think that that's something that we need to contemplate also. And I'm not saying that from here out every day you, you begin to beat yourself up and cry out to the Lord and think about your death date. But I think that we, I, get into this mode of operation where I, I'm not really reflecting 
upon eternity. I'm not really reflecting upon the eternal matters that should be weighing heavily upon me as I look at someone else that may need salvation, as I look at myself, as I, I run my race, I certainly want to hear at the very end, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so when you talk about looking out in, into eternity, it has a number of purposes as we hopefully change our perspective in that way. I, I would say this, that I would say the vast majority of us in this room, we are very familiar with expiration dates. You go to the store. You go where? I don't know where you shop. Maybe you go to you, you go to a grocery store, and uh, and, and I, I do. Listen, when me and Hannah, Patty's working, so me and Hannah will come. Patty says we need some milk, so me and Hannah will go down. We'll get some milk, and and Hannah will tell you. Dad always says, "Hey, check the dates." Yeah, I see some people mouthing that. Check the dates because there is a vast difference in the expiration date of milk. Why in the world do I want to get a gallon? Now I drink milk like water. But still, why do I want to pay full price for a gallon of milk that's going to expire in two days when I can get something much fresher that's got two weeks out? You understand? So we're very familiar with expiration dates, and you don't even have to go shopping. Maybe you have a big turkey dinner, Thanksgiving, you got people over, and of course you have lots of times you have leftovers, and everyone knows that you, you know, those leftovers are going to go in the fridge, but you also know if you leave those leftovers for too long in the fridge, they begin to change, and they grow things, things that I don't have. They grow hair and all that stuff, right? You understand that? So we understand about expiration dates and that everything expires. But I would say this, that rarely, rarely, and if this is, pertains to me, it may pertain to you too, rarely do I fixate and begin to analyze myself in light of God's glory and eternity with my personal expiration date. Okay, and so uh, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, the world is fascinated with longevity. The world doesn't want to hear about an expiration date. Individuals don't want to hear about death. They want to live forever. And there's always, it seems like every year, there's the news breaking this latest story of someone that lived to be 123 or 117. And we have scientists today, and people are just really chomping at the bit to get this. And they're just manipulating the genetic code and, the, and they're into the genomes and they understand the mRNA and DNA and, and they're trying to do this to extend the life of an individual. And so the reality is this though, that we're not there. We were never there. I don't think we'll ever get there. God, you know, when, when Adam and Eve chose to willfully rebel against God, there was no such thing before that as, as death and sickness and disease and thorn and thistles. And sin changed this entire world. And part of that had to do with a physical death, certainly a spiritual death, but a physical death too. And so I, I, I don't think we'll ever get to that point in, in humanity with somehow uh, making someone that is mortal immortal. But the reality is, is that everyone has an expiration date, and everyone, unless the Lord tarries, will die. It's just, it's reality. And, and I hope that you're not looking at this going, man, this message is really getting me down right now. I, I want to hear about God's grace. I want to hear about joy. I want to hear about, you know, my, my salvific experience. I want to hear about all these wonderful things. I don't want to hear about my expiration date. But God has a lot to say about the expiration date. And David here 
understands fully. And I would think, I would think that we need to understand we are going to have a dash and what will our dash represent in our life when we're gone. Is it just a dash? Is it just a horizontal short stroke of the pen separating our birth and our death days? Or will people look at that and say, you know, I knew him. I knew her. Boy, they, were, they loved the Lord. They were on fire for the Lord. Maybe, maybe they looked at it and said, man, it was because of him that I received salvation. He presented the seeds of the gospel to me, I, whatever that may be. But that's something I think that all of us need to struggle with or at least contemplate what is and what does the dash represent in our life. David's certainly looking at his measure of days, right, this knowledge that he will have an expiration date. And so David here in verse 4 is desiring a greater awareness for the measure of his days. He's contemplating his mortality, his end time, his end date. But there's something else in verse 5. And it's a transition because where he's requesting of God in verse 4, in verse 5, he changes and he begins to proclaim what he actually knows. Okay? We could say that he, he proclaims the reality that his life is fleeting. It's a statement. It's a statement of knowledge. He understands this. Look at verse 5. David said, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before, before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity, Selah. David is acknowledging the shortness and lack of permanence within his own life. He compares his life to a measure, to, 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 this, to, this, to this measure, right, this quantitative measure. He says that my days are no more than a hand's breadth. And if you were to go back and look and do the research, you would find out that it's about four fingers. That's not, that's not a lot of time in measurement. It's not a lot of length in measurement. And David makes this acknowledgement. He says, mine age is as nothing compared to you, before you, O God. He's understanding and he's, he's acknowledging the immortality of God as the creator. And, and, and David is the created. And David has an expiration date. And David is getting in his place. And he's placing God where God should be in his life. And we're told, you know, in Job chapter 7, in verse 11 of this particular chapter here, in Psalms 144, we are told in very clear terms that our life, humanity's life, your life and my life, is nothing more than a breath. It's nothing more than a breath. I, um, Hannah will tell you this. I, I'm fond of talking about eternity and about our life and how it is that our life can make a difference and where we are in the time span of eternity. And I think we did this in history class a couple times. You, you understand. If you've taken history, you know, you walk into the classroom, and there seems to always be a timeline on the wall. Everybody remember that? And they got hash marks, and, you know, it'll say, well, this is so-and-so happened. This year this happened. This year this happened. And I've always said that, listen, if we could somehow create a timeline that would represent eternity, which we can't, this universe doesn't have enough time and space to, 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 to be able to equate that in, in some type of linear timeline. But if we could, I would say this, that your life and my life, it's not even a dot. 
it's not, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. And so our life really is measured uh, in, in, in this aspect of something as breath. Um, David continued this statement here. And he said that even man in his best state, the very tail end of verse 5 here, verily every man in his best state is altogether vanity. And David is saying, listen, the healthiest and the strongest and, and the most secure, and, and if, we could, if we could get to the very pinnacle, the prime of our life, and keep that, that is nothing. Our life is at best fleeting, and it is at best temporary when we bring this up and compare it to an eternal God. And I just think this is so powerful. How many times do we come before the Lord and in prayer and begin to speak to him about eternal matters, begin to speak to him about eternity, begin to contemplate not only all of his attributes, but his attribute uh, of, of being eternal, of being our creator, of being there before time even existed, of understanding that he has the power now to, I, I would, I would get, venture to say that when he looked at, looks at our linear time, he can more than likely see Adam and Eve right now partaking of the fruit and rebelling. He could see Christ upon the cross. He could see us right now. And he has it all at once. This is the type of, this is the God, the creator that we worship. And David understood this. There's another verse that has sometimes been brought to my life. It's in James chapter 4, James chapter 4, 4 14. And it talks about the reality that our life is nothing more than a vapor. And, and I've heard that described as, as, as us looking on a cold morning in a winter and, and you're in a traffic light and, and, and you know the cars that have just started up and got on the road because they're the ones that dissipate that, that quick burst of, of, of vapor. You know, you know it comes out and you can see the vapor next thing you know in just a split second it's gone. And, and you know James is speaking of that, that our life is like that. David understands that. He understands the mortality that, that all of us have because we have a birth date and we have an end date. And the question is, again, I want to ask you this. I don't want to beat us up over this, but I want to ask, have you contemplated the breadth of your life, the shortness of your life, maybe the longevity? Maybe you think I'm going to live to be 130 years old and I'm good, I'm okay. But the reality is, is that more than likely you sit here today and you have memories of maybe you being in grade school, of maybe your first job, being in the military, uh, your, your wedding day. And, and, and you're like, man, I remember that so clear. And yet it might have been 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Whatever the date is, we need to understand something that time slows for no man. We need to understand that we can blink our eyes and next thing you know, we are ready. We're ready for the grave. And that is, this is what David is understanding. This is what David is proclaiming that we have this measurement that is definitive in our life. And the question is, is what will your dash, what does your life represent? right now what will it represent 
I, I, you know, the, the, the psalmist here has laid out several, several great truths, several realities that I think I, I, I tend to forget. And that first reality, that first reality is, is that we all need a greater awareness of our end date. We need to understand that we are mortal, that we are finite, and that, and that while we don't know the measure of our days, the Lord does. And the question is, is what will we do with that? We also need to understand that life is fleeting, that it is nothing more than just the short breath of existence in our life. And so David, he, he lays this groundwork, and then he, he, he transitions into another topic in verse 6, and it's something I think that all of us have a tendency to do. And I would say this, that David here is understanding the reality that life's accumulations are temporary. There's no sense of permanence. It's all temporary. Look at verse 6. David says, Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Our life is nothing more than a moving shadow. I hope, hope you can begin to contemplate that and see that. And we do. We quickly pass through this world and we toil and we work hard. There's nothing. We need to do that. We need to toil. We need to work hard. We need to have responsibilities. But we also acquire these things in life. We attach our affections to, to these trinkets and this glitz and this glamour of this life. And many times we exclude someone. I'm not saying we bow down and we worship our riches. I'm not saying that we're like overseas and I've been to countries where where it is open in the, in the public streets where they're venerating Buddha, when they're bowing down to their gods in broad daylight. I'm not saying we do that, but I'm saying that we can acquire our own little fiefdom, our own little sense of massive riches, and, and we don't bow down to that, but that's important to us and so important that we, it tends to crowd out God. Is that not true? I mean, think about that. God, God is, he, he is so rich and so wonderful, and he wants us to enjoy ourselves. We have hobbies for a reason. We're wired differently, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's everything wrong with that when our wants and our interests and our hobbies crowd God out. David here is speaking about those who pass from this life to the next, who heap upon themselves riches and when they die, they have no idea where those riches will even go. Okay? They're planning apart from God. They're living a life apart from God. And that's where the futility exists in our own life. Um, I would say this, that this statement here in verse 6 kind of sounds a little bit like Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? Yeah. I, was, um, I may have told some of you this story before. Maybe not all in here have heard this. I served for a couple of years with a guy in uh, overseas. Didn't hear from him for 15 years. And about, um, about, about, about eight years ago or so, nine years ago, he, he found me on Facebook. And I'm not a big Facebook guy, but he found me. And uh, we began to talk. And uh, I was actually in Bible college at the time, and that just threw him for a loop because he knew who I was. I, I didn't receive salvation when I was 28. And uh, I was a pretty hard charger as a Marine. And uh, I, I have some things that I would love to apologize to people if the Lord ever brings them back into my life. 
But he, he said, how in the world did you go from here to where you are right now? And that's, that opened the door up. That opened the door up uh, to talk about salvation, to talk about what God had done, to talk about what he did for me and what he can do for him in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we had a dialogue back and forth for a while. And I remember at the end, and he knew me. He hadn't seen me in quite a while, but he knew me. And he said, he said listen, he said, I respect you. He said, but uh, that's not for me. That's not for me. And, and, but we continued to have a dialogue, and it was a couple years later, probably three years later, that he got a hold of me. And he said, this, this is where it ties into what David is talking about and what Ecclesiastes, what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. He came to me, and, and this guy, let me tell you, this guy, uh, he, he, he had everything. He had everything in life. He, you ever seen those magazines, GQ and the male models? This guy was like that. He'd walk into an enlisted club overseas, and he'd have, he'd have girls just liking to move, just hanging off of him. And when he got out, he put himself, well, his dad was a big, uh, big corporate guy, so he went to the best college, he got a degree, and he started a business as a, um, as a recruiting agency in Silicon Valley. And he, and he, he was a multi-multi-multi-multi-millionaire. And he, 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 he talked to me one day, and he said, uh, it just came out of the blue. I said, what's going on, Brett? He said, uh, he said, you know, he says, I've been struggling for, and I hadn't talked to him. I hadn't heard from him in a while. I've been struggling with something. He said, you know, you know me. He said, uh, I think he was going to be 45 at the time. He said, he said, I've had everything. I've had. I've had women. I've had money. I've had fame. He said, it's been a good run. He said, lately. He said, I've just been under the impression that everything that I have is just, it's nothing. It's worthless. And, and we began to talk. And, and I, I told him, I said, uh, I said, why don't you do me a favor, Brad? I said, there's a man who was in your same situation, and you share much of what he went through. And he wrote this letter. It's just 12 little chapters. He doesn't know what a chapter is. But he had a Bible. And I said, will you read that? Will you? I said, you read that, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. He says, I don't know, I don't know. I didn't hear from him again. And it was a couple years later, I found out he had sold his business. Now, he had mentioned to me when he talked about the worthlessness of everything that he did. And he had said, I just think I just, I just go sell everything and go travel the world. I'm going to tour the world. And, uh, and, and he did. He, he sold everything. And uh, he was never in, in Europe, but he was in the Far East for, for several years. And he loved the Far East, and he started in, uh, he started in Thailand. And uh, my understanding is, is that he wasn't even there five months. He was getting ready to transition uh, to, to another country. He was just going to go from country to country to country to country. I guess an expatriate, but someone who didn't go anywhere. I mean, didn't, didn't have roots in the country, and he died. And I can't, his brother won't say what he died of. I, I have no idea. But he died. And here's someone who had accumulated everything. And, and you know, it's, it's, that, it's that guy, right, breaking down the, tearing down his barn and saying, I have so much stuff that I'm going to tear this down and I'm going to build a bigger barn. And, and, you know, the Lord said, you fool, you know, tonight your life will be forfeit. He did hear the gospel. I, I, I hadn't heard from him, so I don't know if, if he enacted upon that. He didn't really have anything to say after we began to talk about Ecclesiastes. This is what 
This is what David is, is acknowledging. It's the fact that we can accumulate all these toys and all these treasures, but ultimately when we die, when we pass from this life to the next, and everyone, everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Everyone. The question is, is which eternity are you going to be spending it in? And so David is saying, listen, you come into this world with nothing, you go out with nothing. All you're coming out with is your soul. All this stuff that we amass, it's, it's nothing. It's vanity. It's worthless. Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says, what does it profit a man to uh, gain the whole world but to lose his soul? And I think David understands this in its fullest, that to plan and to toil and to live a life with hardly a thought to eternity, thinking that this world, and it is a shadowy world. I always, uh, I try to look at this world as this is the facade. This is the shadowness right here. The real world is, is what lies ahead for us in eternity. That's what really, that's what reality is really all about. But, but we, we go through these seasons where we don't contemplate the measure of our days. We don't contemplate this aspect of eternal matters. But there will come a day when we will die. The Lord tarries. We will pass on. We will die. And at the stroke of a pen, at the recording of that time and date, whether it's a coroner or whether it's a doctor, our dash will be recorded. So the question is this. What is your dash going to represent in your life? I said earlier, this is not, a, I hope this is not a message where you leave deflated, where you say, that was the worst message I ever heard. And that may be okay, it may be true, because I'm not the greatest orator, certainly not. But David here is bringing front and center to our attention a moment of examination, and so is the Lord, so is God. He desires and wishes for us to contemplate eternal matters. Is there a reason why we have a hard time talking with someone about the gospel? And, and maybe some of that is because we haven't reflected upon what the gospel means to us, and we haven't reflected upon eternal matters, that they have a soul, and that there comes a reality and a time when they will die, and, and, and who will tell them? Romans 10, you know, 14, 15, and 16, this aspect of those that need to hear, but how can they hear unless, unless a, you know, they hear a preacher? And you may not have the credentials of being a preacher, per se, but all of us in this room are ambassadors for Christ. All of, this, all of us in this room have individuals in our life whereby I, I may not, I, I don't know them, I don't have the influence that you may have, and, and they may have never heard the gospel. I cannot tell you the number of kids. We had a huge kids ministry in Hawaii. I can't tell you the number of children that never heard uh, of, of some of the, the superheroes of the Old Testament. They didn't know who Moses was. They never heard of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. And oh, by the way, they heard about Jesus, but Jesus was sandwiched between uh, words of profanity. How are they going to know unless we tell them? And how are we going to get that zeal unless we begin to examine our own mortality and understand the measure of our days and so I think it's very healthy to contemplate and take time and not just self-examine our life in light of who God is 
but examine our life in light of the time that he's given us. Because when we get that, when we get into that place, we'll understand that there are others that need what we have. And, and I hope that I hope that, that is something that you can grab onto, something that I need to work on, and something that the Lord and the Holy Spirit that lives within you will begin to impress upon you so that so that you'll go out and tell others about Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and uh, end in prayer. Father, thank you again for all that you do for us. We thank you, Father, that you are a God of great greatness, that you are our creator, that you are eternal. Help us, Father, to take this small bits of information, this one stroke of the pen, this one theme of the measure of our days, and to begin in a way, Father, that only you can do to allow us to contemplate that so that we might begin to hunger for you and your word and certainly to begin to see others that we pass on the road and from Walmart, our neighbors, and understand that they have a soul and that they need to hear the good news of the gospel. Thank you, Father, for all of this. We thank you for the transparency and just certainly the raw, truthful emotion that David has displayed to us. And may it be that when we enter into prayer with you, that our prayers might also resonate with genuineness and honesty and this great sense of emotion. We pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and committed into your care. Amen.